Welcome to Five Star Weekly. Lots to talk about. PT to Saudi Arabia, matches with Florida teams, and another big one on Saturday. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ, and I'm joined by Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Follow our Twitch for watch-alongs on match days on twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV. We've got a double match preview, which we'll get through as quickly as we can, and a match preview for the big one on Saturday, so let's get right into it. So yes, uh, the previous one that we haven't reviewed was that 3-1 loss versus Orlando City at the Benz. Very unfortunate, obviously, in terms of not only the scoreline, but uh, throughout what happened in it, uh, we have... Uh, lost that undefeated streak against those kitties. Very annoying indeed. But, uh, you know, I think, like we've mentioned before, uh, you know, I think it's more power to them in that uh, they've finally done it on their 10th try. Uh, you know, whether you can actually trash talk after that many games of uh, not beating a team, I'm not really sure you can, but uh, it still is... You know, they played very, very well in the match. Uh, and we, yeah, very much did not. And, um, you know, not only is it where, you know, it's a season in which we are in such transition and also in peril with uh, Joseph Martinez with the injury, of course, and with an interim head coach and uh, Ezekiel Barco injured, um, you know, and only pretty much PT as the... Uh, you know the main man. It's uh, it was always against us, but uh, I think it came out maybe even worse than we expected to a degree. Um, but you know that lineup, uh, it came out with uh, Guzan between the six, Bello, Robinson, and Walks. Uh, Brooks Lennon came in for Franco Escobar at right back. Uh, Eric Rometty, Adams, and Hosetu were the midfields. PT. Adam John and Castro were up top. But uh, yeah, I think once you saw that, I mean, not the most inspiring lineup either to many degrees. And uh, I think, you know, you kind of saw just kind of how uh, how much, you know, we were lacking chemistry to, you know, a large part of the, the game where uh, connecting passes was pretty difficult, a little bit sluggish as well. Uh, in terms of how quickly we were moving the ball, and uh, Orlando were able to, uh, you know, press high at times, also sit in a low block at times, and really just hit us direct and as quickly as possible. And boy, did they! It was kind of really annoying to see because it, they kind of look like uh, what we looked like back then uh, in 2017, 2018, where you know, incisive, uh, direct play, and you know, that's a uh, just what happens, but uh, let's let's get your th quick thoughts. You know, kind of what um, your general feelings are about that match. Yeah, I think uh, especially with how uh, seeing them press as high as they did, uh, we're certainly not used to that in this matchup. And I think it just goes to show you how much of the fear factor that was once there is gone now. You know, like teams uh, push Atlanta in the midfield or even higher. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, like, like we said, you know, if it was going to be any time, it was going to be now. Um, and, you know, with the lineup, we knew they were going to be lacking goals. But I think at the, at the same time, it is a bit of a shock just to see the stark difference, especially when um, in this rivalry, you know, rivalry short history, um, it's gone one way every time, you know, except for the draws. So, um, but, you know, it had to happen. I think uh, it's better off for the league and uh, for this uh, for this matchup that Orlando is a solid team. And they seem to be doing, you know, they seem to have an identity now, So, which is something we talked about a lot during the stream and afterwards. So it is what it is. Hats off to them. Yeah, hats off to them indeed. Uh, yeah, you know, in terms of their players that played really, really well, Junior Urso, uh, one of the new guys that they brought in, uh, midfielder, played really, really well throughout the match. Uh, just really clogged it up. Kind of annoying, actually, really. Uh, Chris. Yeah, Chris Miller. Chris Miller is somebody that I've, I, I've always liked, you know. Yeah, energetic. Like, he clearly has talent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, very clinical. Uh, and also, yeah, bringing, you know, lots of goals for them as well, which, um, you know, is something that's, uh, you know, for a younger player for them, you know, I'm sure they're, you know, refreshed and excited about, uh, you know, the U.S. men's national team, uh, you know, uh, want uh, hopeful uh, in terms of that player, but uh, yeah, and you know, Nani didn't start this match for them, um, you know, which sure maybe brought a little bit of hope for uh, LA United fans, possibly that uh, you know, maybe the you know, chemistry wouldn't be as tight, but um, you know, I think they followed that New York Red Bull formula uh, where you know, you press high, you sit deep when. Uh, we have the ball really just stymie uh, any sort of um, penetration from LA United. And, you know, we couldn't really move the ball, I think, quick enough, nor, uh, you know, penetrate anything, uh, I think, notably, that it was just, uh, you know, that type of match where it had really a lot of shades of New York Red Bulls and uh, where... You know, I, I think usually though against New York Red Bulls, we usually feel like we play a lot better. But you know, they just, uh, you know, they get that uh, that hidden hope, and then um, you know something happens to where we are shaking our head at the end of the match. But we all know it's it's through you know kind of exactly their game plan is to frustrate us and then um, you know make us uh, you know concede at a very inopportune time. Because I think for me, the second goal, I think is the most annoying slash, I mean, a really good goal for them. But, you know, just from a goal kick, um, us not, you know, us being second best pretty much all game, uh, it, it, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, through, I think, I think it was like four passes, they were able to cut us open. And, you know, that's really never what you want to see. Uh, we were just never, I think, up to it. Uh, on this day, but uh, we did see though uh, the debut for Jurgen Dom, and Jurgen Dom came in, diced up the Orlando defender uh, with some uh, some turns, and uh, definitely yeah, a beautiful Centros from the new LA United player and Brooks Lennon, who almost had a, a header uh, earlier in the match gets his header 
and uh, yeah, puts it in the far corner. I mean, a really, really good header as well. I mean, and he's he's not a tall he's not a tall kid. So Brooks Lennon, he got up high, he showed his ups, and um, you know he got his first goal for the club. So definitely one of the positives out of this match. But um, you know, I think you saw it, it's just it's a, too little, too late to a degree. Uh, you know we are chasing and then we concede that third one and it's pretty much game over after that so um yeah very very uh just annoying match kind of you can kind of see it playing out almost like it's uh just how most of these kind of matches go if um you know one team is extremely up for it and another team is not up for it they're chasing the game and then you know you can see that uh that that third goal but um yeah, so in terms of, uh, you know, some positives and negatives from this match. Yeah, we talked about the debut. We talked about, uh, I think, also, uh, yeah, Brooks Lennon with his first goal. But also, Barco picked up his second assist of the season uh, through that. It, I think it's a pre-assist, but either way. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, and so in terms of that, uh, you know, great to see Ezekiel Barco return. But uh, definitely, let's get into the negatives. A lot of negatives. Cheap giveaways, errant balls. Uh, you know, just not looking like we're going to create very much. But, um, yeah. A lot, of, uh, a lot of work to be done. And dubiously, the big negative is that, uh, yeah, Stephen Glass, he spoke before the match. Even uh, saying that he didn't want to be that first coach to lose to Orlando City. And then, alas, it does happen. So, very annoying. But uh, let's let's get into the the post match quotes. And um, Stephen Glass talked about what was missing from that night's performance. Uh, he said, "I think in the first half we were waiting to see how the game was going to pan out. I think Orlando looked in the first half like they were up for the fight uh, much more." It took until halftime and we got our pride knocked a little bit and we came out fighting. I think overall the first half performance is what cost us the victory tonight. And uh, yeah, I, w- I would largely agree with that. I mean, it's, yeah, that first half performance, uh, definitely not up to snuff. But, you know, I think it's also this, you know, when you have a team like Orlando who are playing well and, um, you know, there's a lot of matches, you actually don't care that there are a lot of matches. It's like our September in 2017. We were playing so well that, yeah, we didn't really want to have practice in between matches and whatnot. It was just, let's go, let's play. Uh, because, you know, at that point, you know, you feel like you've, uh, you know, you're confident, you want to just run over teams. Uh, so, you know, them, you know, also playing uh, on Wednesday, I think really didn't matter for us. It's like, you know, it was almost too much rest for us. Like we, and then plus, you know, the whole going to Miami and then coming back without playing a game, it's, you know, there's still the fatigue a little bit. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, it, it I don't think uh, much of that really did help us to a large degree. Um, but yeah, let's get into also, um, yeah, Brooks Lennon talked about the feeling in the locker room after losing to Orlando City for the first time. Obviously, he hasn't been here for the you know the time that 
we have been undefeated against them, but he said, quote, it's tough. These type of things mean a lot to this club. Losing to a team you haven't lost to before in franchise history, it's really tough. Guys are really disappointed in the locker room right now, but Glassy came in and told us we have another game on Wednesday against a good Miami side coming in at home, so we just need to put uh, this one behind us and focus on trying to win that game. But, uh, yeah, you know, last thoughts on this match against Orlando City. Um, I'm just repeat of what I said before. They were just the better team on the day. They were up for it. Um, their plan was better than ours, and they executed. So, uh, hats it to them. Yeah, no, very true, very true. Um, so let's get into the match review of the nil-nil draw against Inter Miami. Our first meeting against them. And uh, yeah, this lineup saw uh, Edgar Castillo come in for George Bello, Robinson, Walks, and Escobar filling out the rest of that back line. Remetti, Heinemann uh, coming back in, Hosetu uh, keeping his spot, Barco coming in. Of course, uh, yeah, he had just ga- uh, gained a little bit of match fitness in the previous match. And yeah, we didn't have PT in this match for reasons that uh, we'll get into later. And probably, obviously, if uh, you follow uh, LA United very, very closely. but uh, And also Kuba Torres up top and Brooks Lennon uh, keeping his place ahead of Jurgen Dom. But, uh, yeah, you know, PT Martinez, obviously, uh, with the, uh, you know, confirmed move in principle to Al Nasser, uh, you know, before the match, it essentially, you know, kind of changed the plans a little bit, I'm sure, for Steven Glass going in, and he did not take part and was not in the 23. Uh, now, you know, we face Inter-Miami in, uh, you know, the lineup. We have LGP and Breck Shea as former Five Stripes, and uh, they looked up for it, that's for sure. Um, you know, definitely early on in the match, uh, LGP gets a chance and, uh, you know, scuffs it, but it is, like, you know, a pretty good chance that he could have uh, put away. I'm, I'm kind of glad, even though he said he wouldn't, you know, celebrate, but, you know, this is that type of match where, I mean, obviously with a scoreless draw, it was going to be very difficult for anyone to score because uh, goals are at a premium for both clubs at the moment. Uh, and Breck Shea looked up for it as well at times, coming into like midfield maybe almost even playing like a a central attacking midfielder role kind of just you know had the the handbrake off and uh you know when he was with Atlanta United you saw I think a vastly different Breck Shea uh one that's you know was more apt to probably pass it backwards and it's probably more instructional based probably but um but either way uh you know we, when you when you face a one in six team, you know obviously you have at least an expectation of maybe trying to to beat them. But we are in dire straits as well, especially you know without PT Martinez in this lineup, who has been essentially our talisman in this lineup. And uh, you take him away, yeah, you get what you kind of saw uh, against Inter Miami. Like, uh, what what were your general thoughts on uh, this match? Yeah, um, a struggle. You know, it was uh, it was pretty drab. I thought at moments uh, the progression up the field was okay from Atlanta United, uh, but certainly in the final third, you know, things just seemed to dry up. Um, you know, Barco I thought looked 
Um, you know, it's it, it, it just feels like uh, there hasn't been that much evolution in his game. Um, you know, like I still think you can see the talent there, but uh, and you you know he's good at, with the ball at his feet, but then like you know he still over dribbles at times. Um, the decision making isn't where you want it to be, and maybe because he's rusty, but. You know, it would be nice if he could get a consistent run of games and really um, take his game to the next level. So, um, but uh, overall, I mean, Miami were the better team. That's, a, you know, for me, beginning to end, you know, if you were looking at the overall chances, um, overall, I think, uh, play, I think Miami's attack would certainly look more dangerous. Um and even though we uh, had more possession, I believe, you know, I, I, Miami's uh, possession seemed more uh, intentional. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess you, we're happy with the point, but really we were outplayed at the Benz. I mean, like, I know it's not like the Benz in, in the way we think of it without the fans, mm -hmm. but uh, you're outplayed twice in a row at home, I think is, it has to be a little bit worrying, you know. Yeah, uh, especially going into a big match, right? And uh, yeah, to speak on your points, um, you know where Ezekiel Barco, uh, yeah, he might be lacking some match fitness and sharpness, really for sure. I think that probably plays a part into you know just uh, you know some of the the pitfalls for him in this match a little bit. But uh, I think he was still largely very tidy and and probably our, our most. Um, you know, he was definitely a most technical player on the pitch, but definitely a guy that uh, was trying to, you know, make things happen. But, you know, I think a lot of it largely just didn't come off. But, um, yeah, speaking to, you know, your point about uh, Miami looking more apt. Yeah, they had 10 shots to our five. They had three shots on target to our one. Uh, I mean, stats aside, you know, Pizarro looked like the guy that, you know, uh, really was trying to make things happen. Um, you know, you look at, yeah, just the penetrative passes that they had. It just looked a lot like they were more likely. And, um, you know, it's uh, a large part of that is because uh, not only are we in transition, but, I mean, we don't have, uh, you know, the, our fans to kind of cheer them on and uh, intimidate the you know opposing squad to be able to you know just be that that X factor that has been such a, a big part of the identity of this team as well. So largely they have to motivate themselves, which yeah a lot of people might think that um, you know oh sure you know you're, you're paid millions of dollars you should be motivated by anything anyway. But a lot of top players around the world have talked about you know big atmospheres. Of course, absolutely, uh, you know, get you just that that extra percent that you'll uh, you know show within a match, and yeah, you just you know we haven't had a scoreless draw I believe since 2017. It's you know to say that's not a factor, like it's definitely a factor. So uh, you know, uh, but I think uh, what's interesting about uh, this match, also, well, I think notable about both matches really is that there have been 47 fouls against us in these two matches which is uh a record in our history but um yeah last match it was 
completely all Orlando uh, players in the book. And then this match had a ton of fouls and many uh, players from both sides, yes, LGP as well, uh, in the book as well. And uh, a little little kerfuffle at the end with uh, Jurgen Damm, who uh, shows a different side of him. He's not the uh, Mr. Smiley as we uh, have uh, come to know him in his early days. But uh, yeah, showed a little bit of uh, some aggression. But um, I think it's good to see. I mean, you know, you got guys uh, showing that uh, not only for yellows, but also Ezekiel Barker coming out of the match didn't seem happy. Obviously, you know, at the 60th minute, he probably thought he could still go on. But, you know, I... Uh, you know, Stephen Glass did say afterwards that he was trying to preserve both he and Heinemann, probably for the uh, the match on Saturday. And plus, since they have just come back from injury, and so uh, upset if they were, it still is probably the wisest move at the moment because yeah, these are long-term assets, you know, that um, they they've paid a lot of money for, and so it it is still uh, wise to do that. But, um, yeah, let's get into some of the positives from this match. Uh, we got a clean sheet, of course, uh, with the scoreless draw. Braguzan, he posted his 32nd clean sheet in uh, the league play for Atlanta United and the 56th in his uh, total career, or his MLS career, rather. And, uh, yeah, Walks uh, played very, very well, I feel like. Uh, I think he's settling in in the back line. Uh, he had a team-high six clearances. And, uh, yeah, 17-year-old homegrown Tyler Wolf made his MLS debut, which is uh, great to see. Uh, yeah, he had played one previous match with LA United 2. And, uh, yeah, I mean, didn't really affect the match really, really too hard. But, uh, you know, I think we were essentially on a short bench anyway, uh, especially with uh, J.J. Williams moving to LA United 2. But uh, we'll speak about that in more in depth later. Uh, getting into the negatives, yeah, we had a just big lack of chances created, a lack of quality in that final third. We, uh, if you look at the uh, the plots of uh, our passes, even it's pretty much like it's barren. It's barren in that final third. Um, but yeah, we also look like we could have been, yeah. You know, reeling a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit in, maybe one in shock, but also to a degree where it's just like, you know, you miss your guy that's, uh, you know, playmaking. It's going to happen. It's, you're, you're going to look like you're missing something, even if, uh, you know, Barco's just coming in. Like, I think it's because, yeah, Barco's just coming in from, the, you know, the injury isn't sharp, isn't match fit. But, um, yeah, and also, uh, this little nugget in that we're uh, in this uh, really probably the worst spell uh, in Atlanta United history. Four points in six matches is the worst six-match stretch in Atlanta United club history. And the previous was uh, previous low was five points in both 2017 and 2019. And uh, I think I can, yeah, it's probably somewhere in like June for 2017, just if memory serves. And, and uh yeah, somewhere around that time as well, maybe early on in 2019, probably when uh, you know things were still trying to rev up. 
But uh, getting into some of the post-match quotes, Stephen Glass uh, talked about uh, you know that exact thing with PT. He said, quote, I'm sure that when you got a teammate like PT and you're expecting him to play, it's going to be a disappointment when he's not part of your group. And uh, Guzan said, we can't use the PT uh, impending departure as an excuse for the poor play. He said, quote, we all need to step up that much more. Guys have been here and played significant minutes. All of us as individuals need to step up that much more and shoulder that responsibility. So, yeah, Guzan has always, you know, held uh, it accountable. So it's definitely, uh, you know, he's always said the right things to that degree. So, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting going forward uh, in this kind of short term uh, time, you know, how we play. It's just, yeah, a lot to uh, digest, a lot to uh, maybe look forward to, uh, one could say. But, uh, yeah, it'll definitely be some uh, maybe trying times for some, too. But, you know, that's why, you know, that's why we support this team through thick and thin. It's going to be, you know, something that, uh, you know, every club goes through. And, you know, this is our time to, to kind of be in this uh, in a rut. But anyway, so let's wrap a bow on both of those matches and get into the news from this week. And, oh, boy, is there news. P.T. Martinez, uh, according uh, to uh, Cesar Merlo of TYC Sports, uh, was uh, in between these uh, uh, these talks of uh, an $18 million bid tabled by Al Nasser of Saudi Arabia to LA United for his services. And uh, yeah, very quickly, uh, after the rumor came out anyway, it was done. I mean, and so the athletic reported later on that Allen United accepted the uh, the terms with Al Nasser and uh, yeah, pending a medical and agreement to personal terms, PT Martinez would become an Al Nasser player. Uh, and yeah, Martinez has also agreed to the move. And yeah, he was not obviously at the you know in the 23, but he was at the match, pretty much saying his goodbyes. So maybe that also, yeah, kind of brings a little bit of that kind of awkwardness a little bit at the match too. It's just like, okay, you have this guy that could help us here. And yeah, he, we're unfortunately, you know, selling him off at this time. Uh, but uh, yeah, reportedly there has been interest brewing for a while from Al Nasser uh, on PT Martinez. And, um, you know, maybe last match against Nashville SC with uh, the two goals and, uh, him winning MLS goal of the week, you know, that kind of helps too. But, uh, yeah, 18 million. Uh, do you think this is, you know, a fair amount for PT Martinez or, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, well, I definitely think it's a fair amount. I mean, uh, when you consider that a year and a half ago, pretty much, um, a little more than that, but LA United paid 14 million uh, to replace for his for PT services, and so to think that they're getting back more than that, it's not. I don't like to say they're making a profit because that's not necessarily how it works in terms of the accounting. But um, actually, they I, they are making a huge profit in this case, though. So, um, so good on them, I guess. The, the thing is, like. I think PT is a good player, you know, like I think that he had his moments and I think that stretch in August of 2019 when 
team was playing really well. He looks good. Um, I think you could see what he was his what he was able to do. But uh, you know, I think it's a question of uh, was he a good fit for this league? You know, like uh, was he a good fit for how Atlanta United went to play? I mean, like, and then they they signed PD and then they go and hire DeBoer, which I think we all know and realize what a big misstep that was now. So um, it is what it is. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work out with a player. I think uh, being able to recoup that kind of transfer fee is actually some good business. Um, and now I guess the, we're waiting to see how they fill that slot. That's going to be that's going to be fun. I'm sure we're going to be linked with a lot of players. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I, I am actually very interested to see uh, how they approach signing a designated player. Right. Yeah, and personally, I think, yeah, 18 million uh, is definitely good business for BT Martinez uh, because, I mean, let's be honest, at his time at LA United, he has been inconsistent, uh, although, you know, brilliant at times, but also, you know, frustrating at times uh, because we all know there's talent there, but, you know, maybe the headspace wasn't quite right. Maybe, uh, you know, the relationship with the coach uh, in terms of, you know, you know, being taken out of games sometimes, uh, you know, where he could make a mark, but if you're not in the game, then, you know, you can't, can't do, uh, what you can and want, but, uh, you know, and seven goals and 11 assists with his time here, uh, in, you know, essentially one plus years. I mean, yeah, probably what, like eight months, one, one year, eight months, uh, is not a like fantastic return but uh you know to be able to get this amount for you know i think what people i think clearly there are clubs that that value what he can do um you know he is a guy that you know is trying to make things happen he is a player that uh has a, a tremendous left foot uh and when he's on target it he looks like a world beater and so you know he's a guy that's uh, you know, can divide a lot of opinion, obviously, but uh, no doubt he's, you know, you know, with this valuation, is a guy that, um, you know, people still, ha you know, think he has a lot of talent, and uh, whether Saudi Arabia is the right move for him, what do you think? I mean, you know, can he get to Europe through this move uh, to Saudi Arabia? Yeah, I think the Europe talk is just unrealistic for him. I mean, like, it's, you know, uh, I think it's an outside chance at this point that he makes it to Europe. So um, I think there's a little bit of acknowledgement uh, from his camp with uh, with him accepting this move. Um, in terms of is it a good move for him? I mean, you know, if I guess if they're paying him enough and uh, he settles there and you know he's comfortable. I think that league is just starting to get some notable players. So he would certainly, you'd think he'd be one of those. You know, like one of their better players and mm -hmm. perhaps even star yeah. uh, of the league. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, like I, I could see it working out. I guess it's just I don't really see the pathway to Europe as a realistic thing for PD at this point in his career. Right. Yeah, I mean, him at 27, uh, I mean, he's making 900000 uh at Atlanta United, or was. And, uh, you know, he probably doubles, maybe triples his uh, his wage packet uh, there. I mean, I think 
in terms of his, uh, you know, like uh, well-being, that's probably pretty decent in uh, in terms of that. But yeah, definitely competition-wise, I wouldn't say it's necessarily um, you know a step up. So it's a uh, you know it's it's an interesting move for him. It's going to be, I think, uh, you know, very interesting to see how he does over there as well. I'm sure uh, we will still keep tabs and uh, see how he does. But we'll see, uh, you know, in the coming days when this is fully official. But uh, as of yet, it is still only agreed in principle. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Darren Eels did confirm this on Wednesday, saying that it was, uh, and he also talked about how the timing wasn't ideal, uh, as they like to kind of do their deals more in the off season. Uh, but it was a good opportunity that just yeah they couldn't refuse. But uh, they will reinvest the money in the club, and they are searching for another DP in this window and attacking player. So, uh, you know, I think positive signs that, uh, you know, they're not just going to sit on uh, this pile of money. Not that I think, you know, they're ones and want to do that anyway. But uh, he said, quote, we are, we are always looking to reinvest and reload. The reality is the specifics of this deal was in the best interest of the club and the player. But that isn't saying we aren't looking to have success this season. So we will be filling that DP spot. Uh, he talked about a little bit before how we're always looking to invest in younger talent. And this is an example where we took the South American Player of the Year and we moved that player where it's a good move for him. And we get more than our money back in the deal. And then uh, he went on to say, I don't want any of our fans to think this is something where we have uh, you know, the deal and sit tight. No, we're going to fill that DP slot in this window. We have more than 50% of the season to play, which I think is I think uh, a very good context as well. It might be called doom and gloom right now, but yeah, we still have a majority of the season still to play. And uh, yeah, while you know it might be you know just a pretty dark rut right now, we have, uh, you know, some some things to look forward to for sure, especially in, you know, new players that, uh, you know, might be coming in and kind of, uh, you know, reinforcing our, uh, our bid to not only make the playoffs, but, you know, fit the ambition of what the club has put out there. Now, uh, one of the players that uh, was linked right before Pete Martinez went out was Gonzalo Higuain, the Juventus striker. Formerly of uh, Marks Chelsea, formerly of Real Madrid, Napoli. <laughs> he a lot. Yeah, he wasn't great at Chelsea. Uh, kind of a little bit past it, maybe in Europe uh, to a degree, but uh, definitely, you know, one of the world's best strikers at one point. But uh, yeah, he's a 32-year-old. He doesn't look 32, obviously, because you know, I think the way he he looks. I mean, uh, a little bit of a you know. You know, I think uh, I won't rag it on too hard. Never mind. But uh, <laughs> but uh, basically, according to Cesar Merlo, again, he said that uh, he was interested in Atlanta as well as LAFC. But uh, his discovery rights belong to DC United. And his discovery rights are essentially, you know, it's uh, any team can file a claim on any player. They have, I believe, seven. And... Uh, it'll cycle through, obviously, they can change it out, but, uh, yeah, DC United, they would just, you know, get a fee if someone else was to get him, and it seems like, according to Cesar, Cesar Merlo, that Inter Miami are the, uh, you know, in the 
the top position to get uh, Gonzalo Higuain. And so, you know, but he does make $16 million a year at Juventus. And uh, yeah, before that, before PT was going to go out, obviously, you know, there's a head scratcher in how that would even work for Atlanta United. Not only do we have Jose Martinez as our striker, who is, you know, our our club striker. I mean, <laughs> replacing him, uh, and you know, or even just like moving in a guy uh, to also play his position would be pretty insulting. I feel like, but uh, yeah, this wasn't really ever really plausible, right? No, because of the money that it would take. Uh, also, the profile player though, like. Atlanta, before this point, has not signed an old DP. And, yeah, I, I just think, I don't, I actually don't know about how uh, Iguain will translate to MLS. I mean, like, I think he'll score goals, but, like, he gave her an interview not too long ago where he was talking about his time in the Premier League and how he was frustrated because of how often he would kick, he would get kicked and it wasn't called. Oh, buddy, like, welcome to MLS, man. You know, you're not going to get a lot of those calls either in this league. And, it's uh, this league requires some running. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm certainly glad that uh, he did not end up in Atlanta. Best of luck to him in Miami. Right, right. And plus, it's that you know. Uh, yeah, sure. Jose Martinez came in as a winger, uh, but it is definitely one of those things where his best, best position is as a striker. And if you put uh, a Gonzalo Iguain, who's 32, into his spot, I mean, not only is he going to be pissed when he comes back. But he's going to be unsettled, and then he might want to leave. So it's, uh, you know, it, it was wise to, you know, not have interest back. But um, but anyway, so let's move on to another transfer rumor. Very loosely, uh, in quotes, transfer rumor. Because, uh, yeah, this is from Ez Noticia. Uh, it's pretty much very tabloidy, uh, not only because... Uh, you know, the way it's put about the words that are being said, but also the first photo is of Yamil Assad. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, you know, it, the whole thing is, you know, you take this with a very, very small grain of salt. And by the way, if you can hear there's some knocking or some saws outside, they are cutting trees. So apologies for the little bit of noise that you might be experiencing. But uh, yeah, that article essentially was talking about how Sevilla in Spain are reportedly interested in Ezekiel Barco. Uh, they're not only interested in uh, what his price tag would be, which uh, they think is probably around 10.5 million euros, which it's not going to be that. Uh, <laughs> they uh, might sign him for a figure close to 12 to 14 million euros, also not going to be that. But uh, <laughs> it's going to be much more than that. But uh, they're saying that the only setback is uh, possibly the player's salary and that China uh, could promise him more money. Uh, and that, you know, at 21 years old, uh, they might be able to convince him because his time in MLS is, uh, is now uh, burning out, quote unquote. But uh, <laughs> this article is problematic in so many ways but um but and so that's why you might not have seen this on our social media because it's just yeah you know putting an article out like this or putting information out like this is uh you know pretty i think uh 
irresponsible. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so uh, they would sign. Uh, they said that the only setback for the signing of the player also would be his passport, uh, because him being Argentinian, he would occupy one of the extra uh, spots essentially for uh, you know in Spain in their league. But uh, yeah, I think you know. For for me, I have my thoughts. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, those like those prices. It just seems unrealistic that Atlanta United would sell at that price. I mean, like I think, um, I I do think that uh, Atlanta United are listening right now to offers for Barco, but um, I think if they are going to drive a hard bargain, maybe it's not the thirty million euros. That we thought it might be but uh i think they'll still be looking for 20 to 25 million in that range um and you know it seems like the sometime within the next year or so it does seem like barco is going to move on so mm-hmm. but i don't i don't buy this particular rumor though yeah not this particular rumor and also yeah i mean sevilla have been uh kind of lurking around Ezekiel barco before or at least rumored to be but um I think it's more also this that uh, Ezekiel Barco, if he was sold at this point, if you sell two DPs in one transfer window, um, you better get two DPs back uh, in this transfer window because the optics of that are not good, uh, especially when you know there are some fans already that, that think you know with uh, you know the selling of a uh, PT Martinez, we are just punting the season. We uh, are having a fire sale and uh, especially with you know not only the previous window in which LGP, Donington Nagby, Julian Gressel left uh, yeah you know there is some goodwill that needs to be built uh, and selling a DP, another DP right now uh, might not be the best look so uh, also speaking of not the best looks uh, Eric Lopez well he's been in the building uh, for the last two matches at the Benz, but uh, yeah, essentially, uh, according to uh, yeah, you know, according to Mike Conti, and that uh, yeah, some Atlanta United news that uh, Eric Lopez was not eligible to play for the first team right now. He won't be eligible unless the club can open a roster spot and can uh, can the cap space for him to be able to uh, when this transfer window closes. So, uh, you know, the club also initially hoped for Lopez to play U.S. Open and uh, Champions League matches. But since, you know, the U.S. Open Cup is off and CCL is in doubt, uh, yeah, players can't go back and forth between LEI 2 and MLS due to health and safety protocols. He pretty much is in limbo, essentially, for the rest of the season and... Just because PT Martinez is going, it doesn't mean that Eric Lopez can come in, unfortunately. And so, it, it's uh, it's definitely uh, what we were fearing, I think, essentially with Lopez when he said that, yeah, I expect to play for the first team. That's what I was promised. And yeah, I mean, yeah, he's promised that. But whether it's happening or not this season is a whole other thing. It might be a have to wait and see. And uh, it's unfortunate because, yeah, we need goals in this team. And he's a guy that can provide some goals. But it's uh, just how it goes at this moment. I mean, it, I think 
there is a degree. Is this is this damning towards the front office a little bit uh, that you know they get this player, but you know is it you know maybe a lack of uh, maybe the the right personnel in the office right now to be able to get these things done to where we can get the right players in to play in the team. I mean, uh, maybe it is an absence of like a Paul McDonough. Uh, maybe it's that that ultimate chemistry from the first two years was having Darren Eels, uh, Carlos Bocanegra, and Paul McDonough working together to make uh, you know it's so successful uh, in the early days. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, it's just like it's. It comes off as a massive miscommunication. It definitely doesn't make the club look good. I'll tell you that much. You know, like he, the player is talking about playing for the first team, and so to, yeah, to find out that he might not even be eligible to. And that if they were thinking about, I mean, uh, at the time that they brought Lopez in, they would have known that the Open Cup and the Champions League were in doubt. You know, at the very least. So. Um, I hope that they were not banking on those competitions too hard because, uh, you know, they were. It just looked unlikely that uh, certainly the Open Cup. It looks unlikely that, that would get completed. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it it definitely just it doesn't look, make the club look good. Right. Uh, quickly moving on from that, uh, Joseph Martinez posted on his social media uh, of him doing some dribbling work and some wall pass work. And um, yeah, he's slowly but surely getting to where he needs to be. Obviously, uh, I think fans from other teams and you know just seeing it on social media, they've been ragging on him and uh, you know saying some uh, some things about his weight or saying, oh, my grandma can uh, dribble faster than that. But I think they lack the context for sure, and it's uh, yeah. I uh, I've been uh, I think uh, vehemently defending his honor in that respect because of uh, <laughs> they're not understanding it at all. But um, anyway, so let's move on to Atlanta United two, where uh, they had a little bit of break and they played Philadelphia Union two uh, last night as well on Wednesday, and with a two one win. Uh, you know, Mackie Jopp with a banger to the right net uh, with his left foot. And, uh, yeah, 16-year-old Vicente Reyes also with a uh, his first professional start. And uh, Amir Bashti, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, he crossed the ball with his right foot into uh, the right of the box. And David Mejia, 17-year-old, uh, got his first goal for the twos. Uh, yeah, very young side indeed for the twos, but uh, for them to pull off that win uh, is great to see. And Mackie Jopp is uh, yeah amongst the the USL leaders in goals at the moment. Uh, some would say like, oh, why can't we just bring him up? But because of the health and safety protocols, that would be very difficult at this moment. So it's unfortunate, but excuse me. And uh, so, also speaking of uh, LA United 2 and JJ Williams, as we spoke about earlier, he uh, has been moved to LA United 2 and uh, for the remainder of the USL season. Uh, that was reported by Jason Longshore. And uh, yeah, Doug Roberson confirmed that uh, the transition for him took a 10 day COVID quarantine. So it seemed like, yeah, he's not really in 
the first team squad plans. Uh, I think also, you know, one might say that, oh, okay, does that open up a spot for Eric Lopez? No, it still doesn't. Uh, he didn't really occupy a senior spot. So that's, uh, those are the perils of MLS. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're, you're not, you know, accustomed to it, it does seem very annoying, but it is what it is. But that does it for the news, and I uh, guess let's do a little bit of housekeeping in that, uh, yes, on Mash Days, follow us on uh, on twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV for watch-alongs and the banter. Come hang out. Uh, we will be having one on Saturday night as well. Uh, look forward to seeing you there. But uh, let's get into mailbag really quickly. Uh, well, th there's only one question on this one because... Uh, we weren't initially going to have it, but I made an exception because this question was pretty good. So, uh, this comes from Cameron Pratt, and he says, quote, My opinion, we should use PT's DP spot to go get a world-class 6 or 8 uh, to build the mid midfield around. We've got serviceable, play serviceable players on the wings, backline, and Kubo John will manage until Joseph is back. Barco is our dynamic wing player slash number 10. He's going to continue to grow into a fantastic player under this, the next manager. We can spend anything on this DP spot, correct? Maybe Uncle Arthur will sign, uh, sign off on a 18 million to 36 million central midfielder under 27. And he said, all the players below fit the bill and would dominate MLS. Mateus Henrique, who's evaluated at 19.25, Age 22, Ronaldo Sanchez, 22 million. Age 23, uh, Naitan Nandez, 25.3 million. Age 24, and these are all from transfer market. Uh, Fred at 19.25. Age 27, Wendell, 13.2. Age 23, and Evis Bissuma uh, at 10.45. Age 24, Brighton. Any of these, uh, and also what he's talking about, strike your fancy. I think what he's talking about strikes my fancy. I don't necessarily know about these players. Um, I mean, none of them seem all that realistic anyway. So, but um, I think there's a player in MLS that I really like that I, you know, if he can be had at close to any price, I think they should go after him. And it's Edward uh, Atuesta, LAFC. He was in MLS's best 11 last year. Um, He's one of the best, if not the best, uh, central midfielder in the league. You know, he gets assists from that position. Um, he plays in a 4-3-3 currently. Um, I just, uh, yeah, that's a player that I really admire, that I'd love to see in LA United Colors. And so if they got to, you know, like throw unlimited uh, Garber Bucks <laughs> <laughs> allocation money at him, you know, like however, whatever they have to do. Uh, I would do it for for Atuesta. Yeah, I think the the difficulty maybe there is also if you know LAFC will part with Atuesta, him being twenty three and also a big you know key cog in their uh, their machine. So uh, that would be definitely a big hurdle. Um, I forgot to read one bit of his uh, very long question, but very worthy. Uh, who would you realistically like to see come in and play that Nagby, Mascherano, Weston McKinney type role? Um, yeah, and that's the thing. It's, you know, so far, uh, Mateus Hesetu has been playing that role to a degree. Uh, he's been keeping it tidy, recycling possession, and, uh, you know, 
being able to to play out uh, in there. And so I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, I think spending that much, uh, even when we wouldn't spend on, you know, Jonathan Gonzalez, who, yes, you know, admittedly is riding the bench at Monterey. Uh, it's one of those, like, are we going to spend that much on a central midfielder, especially even though, you know, Darren Eels spoke that they are going to buy an attacking player for that DP spot, uh, even just to kind of play around with this idea that if we do, um, you know, the resale value, um, you know, I think maybe the the, the one that strikes me uh, as, the you know, my fancy the most, I think, is Mateus Henrique, uh, age 22 at, you know, pretty much 19 million you know, you have some resale value there, uh, especially if you keep him for a couple years and if he really balls out. But I think what's difficult, you know, in reselling to other leagues is uh, convincing them, you know, of the quality uh, without the sexy, you know, goals and assist numbers or, you know, stuff like that that will catch the eye. I think it's a lot easier to sell on attacking players, you know, to. Uh, Europe and whatnot and it's also a lot of these players are in Europe already and so you know they would almost have to concede that their European career might not be uh, going the way they wanted and they're giving up on Europe to come uh, back to you know or back not back to but 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 come to the United States I'm thinking of like you know Emerson Hyman who essentially you know did that that type of thing but um, you know so it is possible of course but I think Spending that amount of money on that, I think, might not be the most uh, wise thing at this moment either. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that does it for the mailbag. Uh, and we'll have some future mailbags where uh, more of you guys can chime in. But uh, that do that'll do it for this week. And it'll get us to the match preview. And uh, so, you know, of course, uh, it will be the rematch against Orlando City this year so far anyway we might have some more matches against them but uh yeah Saturday at 8 p.m it'll be on Big Fox and it will be at Exploria Stadium and yeah I mean you know we've had other previews talking about them uh yeah they are a much different Orlando City side for sure for sure uh they've you know looked a lot more fun they look to be playing the type of ball that we want to play almost, really. And uh, and essentially, you know, through our series matchup, they are 1-6-2 against us in league games and 0-1-0 and in U.S. Open Cup games. Uh, in our last five, uh, it's actually curious. We, we actually are doing slightly better uh, than them to a degree, but... Uh, we have three wins and a loss and a draw, and they have, uh, yeah, two losses, two wins, and a draw in their last five. But they sit much higher in the standings currently. They are in third, uh, and we are all the way down in ninth. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's really still kind of early days, but it still is uh, you need to win, you know, as many matches as possible anyway. Uh, no matter what time of year. Um, but, yeah, we are 3-4-1. They're 4-3-2. Uh, so, yeah, we only have 10 points, but we are three points out of fifth with a game in hand on the fifth place, fifth place team. 
Uh, and yes, if the season ended today, we would still be in one of the playoff uh, games uh, above the playoff line. But obviously, we want to go way, way higher than that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of been, I think, around the league, uh, goal scoring has been an issue. Uh, yeah, not only us on Wednesday and Inter-Miami, of course, but, uh, you know, Cincinnati, Chicago, Philadelphia, uh, Red Bulls, New England, Minnesota, and D.C. United uh, have all not scored uh, recently. So, yeah, a lot of the travel, uh, you know, fixture congestion kind of really, I think, uh, kind of contributes to all of this. But, um, yeah, getting into Orlando City and how they play, we've kind of talked about how, uh, you know, they've been really good at pressing high and uh, sitting in a low block and frustrating teams. They also are quite good in possession if they want to be as well. And uh, one would think at home with the possibility of some fans, which I believe they will have some fans there. Uh, yeah, they probably will be looking to be on the ball and, and trying to, uh, you know, excite their however many fans will be there. But um, yeah, like we spoke about earlier in the episode, Chris Miller, definitely one of their guys that's been balling out this season. He's got four goals and two assists on the season. Uh, and well, I think MLS is back. You know, you kind of maybe can add some more goals in that uh, with some of the kind of later tournament matches. But uh, Nani has two goals and two assists uh, so far in the regular MLS season. And Daryl Deke has three goals. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'll throw to you uh, for Atlanta United. If there's an Orlando City fan watching, who uh, should they be looking out for in terms of uh, danger men? Uh, so definitely should be looking out for Emerson Hyman, uh, who has two goals on the season. He scored a nice volley against uh, Nashville particular uh barco has two goals and an assist on the season um and brooks lennon scored in the last game as well so um yeah obviously we're not expecting pt to be playing because if he you know if he's on his way out so i think those players then come in as uh, probably the ones to look out for right and they've been definitely i think playing the best uh, for us in terms of attacking wise this season but um, yeah, getting into injuries, Dom Dwyer is still out, and uh, Oscar Perea spoke about his left back, Jao Moutinho's injury. It's to his groin. He said, we need to wait on Jao, the diagnostics and the injury that he has is going to take a couple of weeks, so he's likely out as well. He did play quite well against us at the Benz, so that's probably a good thing. Uh, you never wish injuries on people, but, you know, it is uh, fortuitous injuries that, uh, you know, we have no part in, possibly. Well, actually, we, we did kind of have a part in it. Uh, he did go off against us, but <laughs> I don't think it was actually, uh, you know, we did something about that. But anyway, uh, for Atlanta, uh, Fernando Mesa is out two to three weeks with a knee injury. Uh, Jose Martinez, of course, and Eric Lopez is unavailable. So... Uh, yeah, getting into uh, the match quotes, uh, Oscar Pereira said that he doesn't actually expect anything different from Atlanta United even without PT Martinez. He said, quote, the problems that Atlanta United have, it's their problem. We just look to better our ways and respect in Atlanta that could come with difficulties. Woo! <laughs> 
That's uh, you know, that's speaking probably with a little bit of confidence and almost in an acknowledgement of, yeah, like we are not in a good spot at the moment, and many teams around the league acknowledge that, can see that, pretty well. But uh, but anyway, let's get into their uh, their predicted eleven, or at least their eleven previously, uh, and definitely against us anyway. It looked like a four four two. Uh, Deke and Perea were up top. Uh, Michelle, Roselle, Urso, and Miller filled out the midfield. Smith, Carlos, Johnson, and Moutinho and Galise were in the back line. And so, uh, you know, it might look something similar, or you might see Nani come in. Uh, someone's definitely going to be playing for John Moutinho. But uh, yeah, it, they might mix it up. They might play 4-4-2 again. We shall see. But that gets us to our predicted 11. And uh, let's get through the lines together. And, uh, you know, let us know what your formation, uh, at least in shape, is going to be. Mark. Yeah, uh, so it's going to be a 4-3-3. Uh, Guzan in the sticks, as usual. Mm -hmm. um, back line. So I'm actually making a late change here. But I'm going to go with Lennon, Robinson, Walks, and Bellow. Hmm. So benching Escobar, okay, okay, um, yeah. For me, it's Escobar, Robinson, Walks, and Bello. I mean, Bello was rested, even though he came in uh, in the second half uh, against Inter Miami. Escobar, I don't think has done anything to lose his place per se. It's kind of same old Escobar. So it's, uh, I understand though. I mean, if you're trying to maybe uh, bring in another another player, but uh, yeah, let's get into the midfield. Uh, yeah, so in my midfield, I have uh, Larry anchoring with uh, Remedi and Hosetu. Um, we've seen uh, Remedi collect the ball deep a little bit. Um, I think with uh, Lorenowitz there, it would encourage Remedi to uh, get forward a little more, uh, maybe connect the lines a little more, and you, you certainly expect Hosetu to do that. He's been showing he wants to do that. So um, I think you get, like, with that midfield, you get a midfield that's solid, um, a midfield that uh, works hard, um, and a couple players at least that I think all of these players are comfortable with the ball at their feet. So, yeah, um, and, and I see your point uh, with that. Um, I just maybe don't see enough creativity, uh, and so you know, for me, I think it's Hosetu, uh, Larry, for me is going to be anchoring there, uh, giving Remedi a break, and Heinemann. Uh, yeah, returns. And so, you know, I think, you know, you have, uh, you, you kind of have to put, you know, them in the, the, the best position to a degree. Like, yeah, Larry, obviously, uh, you know, we know what he can do, do. He can recycle possession. He can shield that back line. Uh, maybe he was rested on Wednesday completely to, uh, you know, maybe just stave off that temptation to even use him. Uh, but uh, it was a strange exclusion from the 23. But um, I think he comes back in. And Heinemann, uh, yeah, 60 minutes. Hopefully he gets more, uh, you know, more match minutes and is able to, uh, you know, help us get forward and hopefully score a goal. But, um, yeah, getting into that forward line. How about you? Uh, yeah, so I think Dom will make his first start. Uh, I got Torres starting again and Barco. Yeah, I mean, uh, I get it. If uh, Jurgen Dom uh, would start, 
Stephen Glass has talked a little bit about him needing a little bit more training to be able to uh, you know, be integrated fully into the team. And so I think with that being said, uh, Lennon has done nothing to really lose his place, albeit, um, you know, he's worked really, really hard as well. He's uh, scored a goal in that previous match. I, I think, yeah, you know, for me, Lennon there, Torres, uh, yeah, definitely is the striker up top, and Barco keeps his place as well. Uh, you know, him being taken off at the 60th minute makes sense that he is uh, the starter for this match. And I think, you know, in terms of our threats, you know, our biggest threats uh, so far, you know, maybe Jurgen Dom notwithstanding, because uh, he's still building up his uh, match fitness and sharpness. These, this is probably our, our best, uh, our best bet. And mine's also a 4-3-3, uh, obviously, if, uh, if following along anyway, uh, if you haven't picked it up. But essentially, I mean, I think, uh, you know, getting into what we would like to see the team do in this match, I think for me, I would like to see them take more risks to create more chances. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, they might have to sit a little bit more against Orlando City uh, with them playing on the road. But it is, I think, uh, you know, something that's pretty vital is that, you know, we play more direct and we play, um, you know, kind of how we did against Nashville. You know, we play quickly. We, uh, we are, you know, definitive in our decision making. Uh, and make that decision as quickly as possible. Uh, but we also need to be resolute uh, when we need to be. Don't let them be direct because we saw how quickly and easily they kind of cut through us. And that was, yeah, disturbing, really. But, um, yeah, and we want to keep that undefeated streak at Exploria Stadium. But what would you like to see the team do this match? Uh, definitely directness. I think I'd like to see more um, play going down the sidelines, you know, really using the width. And that was part of my motivation for my lineup. Like, I think, uh, I do think Lennon has been good. And I like the idea of Lennon playing right back. And I like the idea of Lennon um, overlapping Jurgen Dom. You know, I just think that would be difficult to defend. On the other side, if we have, you know, Bello um, overlapping Barco, I think that could also work really well. So, um, I like to see that, and I like to see, and I guess you could say an industrious performance in the midfield because I think we're going to need it. You know, mm -hmm. obviously uh, we're playing a team full of confidence, and you know that midfield is going to have to stop them from playing. Um, and then when the opportunity arises, you know, pick, pick out the passes that uh, they need to on the counter to you know so that we can uh, fashion some chances of our own. So I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be the key, just, you know, d direct play, I think, going through the wings a bit, um, you know, just being resolute. Yeah. So, uh, that gets us to the odds, and uh, so we are at a 30.3% chance to win this match, and at a 197 there could be a draw, and at 50%, Orlando are favorites, to win this match. Uh, and that's according to uh, MLSsoccer.com. So, uh, you know, that's uh, an overwhelming, really, uh, odds there. But gets us to our score prediction. What do you think is going to happen, Mark? Uh, I'm going to say we steal a point. I'm going to say it's 1-1. One, one. Um, I think we managed to find the goal in the first half. And... Uh, 
I think I assume Orlando will score at some point, especially you know playing with confidence at home. But yeah. um, I'm kind of hoping we steal a point out of this one. Yeah, uh, it's interesting you say it that way too, uh, stealing a point. Well, yeah, it kind of would be if uh, the odds are really not in our favor. But uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, mine's a one-one draw as well, um, and I I like you know if your scenario played out, if we you know score early, we are unfortunately probably having to, to sit back a little bit more because we don't know where the next goal is going to come from uh and then <laughs> yeah they might unfortunately uh concede but either way a point on the road against tough opposition right now like we have to grind through until we can get uh you know kind of the full squad that we want and right now it's uh you know anything anything that you can get is you got to get it so Anyway, uh, let us know your score predictions in the comments below. But that does it for the match preview and pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, what player do you realistically want Atlanta United to target as the next DP? We're interested in what you have to say, so let us know in the comments below as well. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.